Welcome to Practice That, podcasts for the practice manager. Today's Wednesday, the 17th of November, 2021. I'm Ann Davis with RACGP, and I'm delighted to have Tracy Gardner with me once again. And our topic today is debriefing after aggressive patients, employer obligations. Tracy is a senior trainer with Health Industry Employment Services. She has a strong health background as a registered nurse, specialising in emergency nursing and mental health. She has postgraduate qualifications in both mental health and training. This is Tracy's third recording with Practice That. You might be interested in her earlier recordings on occupational violence and telephone aggression. Tracy, thank you for joining me, particularly to talk about employer obligations. Lovely to see you. Nice to see you again too, Anne. So if there is an incident of abuse or violence, what should our managers and employers do? What do they need to think about? I think firstly, our obligation is obviously to check that the staff is okay physically. Check for any physical injuries and administer first aid if need be and obviously send them to the hospital or call for an ambulance if there's an aggressive incident that you feel they may need to be checked out. If it's an aggressive incident, allow time for the staff member to calm down and don't send them straight home. A lot of people just say, oh, this has happened to you, go home. And it's not a good idea because, you know, our adrenaline's up and, you know, we may be feeling okay, but it might be on our drive home that we start shaking and we start ruminating about the incident and what could have happened to me. So it's very important to that you keep the person at work and debrief them. I think it's important that we support all of those involved in an incident. So don't assume that it's the person that the aggressor was focused at or or the person getting the aggression. It could be somebody that was standing by watching. It could be, you know, the the receptionist watching the the nurse be uh, physically assaulted or abused. And that person may actually be more affected than the person that was getting the attack. So we need to make sure that everybody involved is supported and debriefed. So the first thing you need to do is sit down with everybody. Once everyone's calmed down and you've given the adrenaline enough time to calm down, is to debrief as a group. Some people like individual debriefing, but also it's quite good to debrief as a group so everyone knows where everyone's at so we can support each other. I think the most important thing is to use that incident to learn from it and not to sit there and blame somebody. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Or even as a colleague say, oh, I wouldn't have done this. I would have done that in that circumstance. Because that does happen a lot. And I know it's happened to me before. And we're all different. We all have different life experiences. Some people might have had past traumas. And this kind of aggression can actually be really quite confronting to people. When we are faced with an aggressor, there's a lot of adrenaline and hormones that are running around in your body. And it can actually make you react in ways that you wouldn't normally react. We call it the irrational mind. So sometimes you look back, and I've done it before, and gone, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? It's not something I would normally say or do when I'm just thinking about what I should do in the circumstance. So just be aware that everyone's different and everyone's going to react in a different way. And with that sympathetic nervous system triggering like that, 
we could say or do things that we wouldn't normally do. So I think I'm hearing from you is that someone may react badly purely because that's just the situation. They didn't mean to act or react in that way. I guess coming back a little bit to the no blame culture that you were talking about in one of the other podcasts. Yes, definitely don't blame. The other thing is too is for a manager to be aware of when you know a simple debrief will do, maybe checking up on the staff member later on when they get home or the next day, but knowing when it might be time to refer them or encourage them to get some ongoing counselling or some extra counselling or employee assistance programs, that type of thing. I think the other important thing is to ensure that staff have accurately reported and recorded and to be aware too that their story may change and sometimes, like with the police, they'll get you to write out a a summary of what happened and then the next day you say, actually, I remember it differently now. People go, oh, they're changing their story. But actually, with the sensory nervous system and the adrenaline and everything like that, sometimes our memories actually block some things that have happened. So you might need to come back and update your documentation. And don't assume that when the staff member comes back the next day and changes the story, that there might be something sinister in it, because that is something that can possibly happen. That's good advice. So I'm just walking through in my mind first check for physical injury with a staff member and arrange treatment as appropriate and then organize a debriefing and I liked how you talked about the importance of debriefing with those that are directly impacted but also those that have been indirectly impacted and then the final thing is that staff documentation but just being aware that memories may be enriched or changed on the next day afterwards. And what sort of things should staff be aware of post an incident? Sometimes when an incident happens, and it's happened to me before, and I've, you know, everyone's gone, oh, are you okay, are you okay? Say a verbal or a near miss type of incident. And I've gone, yep, I'm okay. And then I start driving home and I start thinking about what might have happened or what did happen. And I may start getting a bit nervous, a bit worried. You know, I might go home and and see my kids and then start crying, things like that. So I think it's important to be aware of what we call post-crisis response. So, you know, in the first 24 hours after an incident, there's things that can happen to us which are quite normal. And we could have shock, disbelief, fear, anger or embarrassment. Like you might look back and go, oh, what did I do that for? What are people saying about me? And we know, like I said before, with SNS, that we can act out of character sometimes. So we look back on that and we go, oh, what did we do? And that's okay. Maybe one to three days after you've had time to think about the experience, you may feel a bit of loss, humiliation, exhaustion, anxiety, lack of confidence. And that's when you kind of need to start thinking, okay, was it more serious than I thought? Do I need to start looking at getting some help here? Sometimes, you know, if you start getting extra tiredness, feeling depressed, anxiety, you might find that you're going home wanting to drink every day after work and that's not something that you would normally do. You might feel more antisocial and not want to go out, see your friends, or you might might go to work and feel quite on edge and, you know, sensitive to sound and that sort of thing. 
to the extreme of having flashbacks, headaches and nausea, you're past the point of you probably should have had counselling before that point. So it's about acknowledging to yourself that post an incident, you may feel okay, there may be some things that are quite normal that happen to you, just ride through that, talk to family members, talk to colleagues, whatever you may need to to get through that. But just be aware that if there's any ongoing issues to get help and to also support your colleagues and as a manager to be aware, look at your staff member and go, they don't seem themselves since that incident. Maybe I need to talk to them further. I think that's good advice for the the staff members to be made aware of this post-crisis response, but then also for the manager just to keep tabs and just check on how they're going. So before we finish, I think that it's valuable to look at incident reporting. Could you just give us your tips for ensuring that the reporting that the managers do is appropriate and complete? So firstly, I think what's really important, and we a lot of people forget this, is that we need to allow our staff time to document and report. Because when we know that it's widely documented that we under-report. Every place, every medical service under-reports, and we know that. So when you look at the research as to why we under-report, the number one reason is because people don't get the time. And so that's why they don't. And the second reason is they think, well, I've reported before and nothing happens anyway, so why should I stay back late to do this when nothing's going to happen anyway? So make sure that they do have the time to complete it. And as a manager, when people do put reports in, to take it seriously and to encourage your staff to put reports in as well. Because I have worked in places where managers have seen it as a reflection on their own management skills. So they don't actually encourage you to report. In one circumstance, we wondered where our incident reports were going because nothing was getting done. And the cleaner actually found them in filed nicely in the bottom of the manager's desk. So she was hiding them. So I think it's important to not feel like it's a reflection on you. We document and we report because we need that information to be able to use that to show our employers, okay, this is why we need these resources. This is why we need this training for our staff. And we need to focus on these areas because these keep coming up a lot. So the reporting gives the manager the opportunity for improvement and reducing risk. Exactly, yes. Also, when we are reporting, to make sure that you document all the names of all the witnesses, make sure you do get the names of the witnesses and then document them. You want to make sure you've got the correct date and time. We know with SNS and we've got adrenaline going through and if we write a report straight after we've had an incident, we can do silly mistakes like that. So just make sure that everything's correct. You want to document where the incident happened. So not just this happened at Smiles Medical Centre, but you know it happened at the reception area. So be fairly specific about where in the practice. Yes. And that's because you know if it happens in that area all the time, they can look at that but their crime prevention through environmental design and maybe change something around because it might be something there. Make sure you do a concise and complete description of the incident. So you don't want to waffle on about a lot of things, but make sure that it's concise and it, it, it covers everything. You want to include any damages or any injuries that have resulted 
And as I said, you know, you might go home and you might not realise you've got an injury or you've got a bruise. Sometimes, you know, I've not even thought that I've been hit by a patient and then I go home and I've got this massive big bruise on me. So I need to come back and I need to add that into my documentation. And if you've got any pictures of the damages and things like that, it's, it's good to add those in as well. So those pictures could be if there's been physical damage, say, at reception, as well as any injuries to the individual receptionists. Yes, definitely. So sometimes, you know, we get damage to TVs, people punch holes in walls. It's good to get photos of that, but also any injuries that you may have received from patients striking you or throwing something at you, definitely get photos of your injuries and they may change over a period of a few days. So get ongoing photos as well. Thank you. So they're quite good tips for the documentation, making sure that you do it in a timely manner, making sure that it's complete, and then also looking at other forms of evidence of what's actually happened, such as using photos. Tracy, this has been really valuable. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You're welcome. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Till next time, goodbye and be kind to each other.